So yes, I'm definitely a people pleaser. It comes from my childhood and my family. So when I'm articulating it, I feel like my message is a little bit against the grain because my key message is you can achieve more by doing less. So I went into a corporate last week and said that message. And so it feels a little bit controversial and I don't like being provocative because I'm afraid of conflict. Unlock the power of your voice and learn how to use it for maximum impact with Psychology of the Voice. Through this innovative methodology, thousands of entrepreneurs and professionals have connected more deeply with their audiences, leading not only to greater influence, but also higher revenue streams. Don't miss out on Tracy Goodwin's transformational coaching as she helps you take your sound from good to groundbreaking. Tune in and find out why so many six, seven, and eight-figure entrepreneurs call Tracy their secret weapon. Jen, welcome. I'm so glad to have you today. Thank you so much. I'm I'm so excited to talk to you today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me what it was that made you want to get on this call with me to do this. When you found out what it was, if for whatever you knew it was, what made you mm-hmm. want to get on here? I have always had trouble kind of trusting my voice. Um, I heard you speak um, on BBD Live and I and I started following your Instagram and some of your podcast stuff. And I just thought, um, well, I thought you could help me for one thing. And so when you said you were opening up spots to have our voices assessed, I just, I, I responded in an instant. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did. Okay, so I don't know, Jen. Y'all know the y'all know the drill. I always tell you, I've, I've never met Jen. I chatted with her for I don't know, maybe four minutes in the Zoom before we jumped on the call. So tell us the kind of work that you do. I am a leadership mentor. I help women, professional women who are crazy busy, to find calm in the chaos. Really, I help them shift from being crazy busy and frenzied at work to finding a sense of calm so that they can get more personal time back and um, time to think, really. Yeah. Now, are these moms, are these corporate people, are they (laughs) all of the above? (laughs) All of the above. My focus is on on like professional women, so usually they're in corporate. Okay. Uh, and because I focus on sort of workplace practices, it's it's um, the vehicle to help women get there is by helping them to release their limiting beliefs and paradigms. Um, so it relates to moms and things like that, but my focus is on the workplace. Okay. How they're navigating the workplace. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What are some of the struggles that they have? They're not speaking up. They're taking on too much work. They can't say no. What are the things that they're taking on? Uh, definitely some of those things. So some of the biggest ones are, are, um, Actually, what I found is that there's kind of six ways that these beliefs about themselves 
kind of manifest. So the core belief is that their value is equal to their effort. Mm. And this kind of this belief that they need to prove their value with how much work they're doing shows up in what I find six ways. And I call it, I call them the six faces of doing. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so, well, and the reason I call them that is because they're like, uh, they're like masks. They mm-hmm. mask our true value at work, which is, and our true value in the workplace is really more about um, how strategic are you being? Are you making good decisions? It's not how much you're doing or how hard you're working. So it's things like people pleasing, perfectionism, over analyzing, over taking too much accountability. So I just call it over accountability, um, guilt ridden responsiveness, and firefighting. Oh, what's that? Firefighting. Literally putting out fires. At work. Yeah. Problem solving. And that can be, you know, like, um, moving from one task to another, trying to multitask, but also often it it shows up as being interrupted in one task. And so you're jumping from one to another and not being effective and it happens. So it ends up being just this problem solving that turns into a juggling act where you're cutting corners and just creating band-aid solutions. Mm. And I find that women, so workplaces can get caught up in that kind of culture, but also women can start to get caught up in it when they feel like they are, when they feel like they need to rescue people Mm. because they want a project to succeed or they jump into problem solve for the sake of problem solving because it makes them feel good to solve problems. Like secondary gain. They're working from secondary benefit. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. In a way. Um, it's, it's making them feel better and it's making them feel valuable because they're solving problems mm-hmm. and that a lot of people are treated or they feel at least um, like a hero or they feel a sense of personal satisfaction mm-hmm. when they solve problems. So the more they solve, the more valuable they feel. So it's making up for a lack of sense of self-worth. Yeah. Yeah. Did you work in the corporate world? I did for a long time. Yeah. What did you do in the corporate world? Uh, mostly sales and marketing. And then I got into uh, strategy. I was a, um, I managed strategic planning for uh, Nestle, the foods company. Mm-hmm. And, and then I started to... And then I left the corporate world. And I started to... Uh, facilitate strategy for mostly corporates, some small businesses and some boards and things like that. But so I would take them through kind of two day workshops to help them develop their own strategy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, before we got on, before I hit record, Mm -hmm. Jen told me one thing. She said she gets nervous. You get nervous when you speak like on podcast, talks, things like that. Is that right? Yep. I get, um, I get nervous. I find it hard to relax mm-hmm. and I get up in my head rather yeah. than just trusting that I know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I hear some things that 
I think are, well, let me ask you this. You've heard me talk about the, when I first hear you, there's three things I want you to know immediately about me. What do you want me to feel about you? I'm your audience. I'm your listener. I'm your ideal client. What are three things you want me to immediately feel about you when I hear you? Um, so when I'm talking to my audience about like the work that I'm doing, I want them to feel that I get them. Okay. That I, that I know where they're, that I've come from that place of being crazy busy and so that they can resonate with what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what else that you get them? Anything else you can think of? Uh, it's okay. Cause sometimes I'll do that exercise with my students and, and they can only come up with two maybe, and sometimes even just one. So you don't necessarily have to come up with three in this moment. I know I'm trying to think, well, I also, so I want people to if I, if we're talking about what I want them to think about me is I also want them to think that I'm approachable. Okay. That's good. And knowledgeable. Okay. I think. Okay. I'm not sure if those are my top, the, the knowledgeable one, I'm not sure if that's really what I'm trying to get, but for now, I think that can work. Okay. Something in that bucket of, you know, what you're talking about. Yeah. Credibility, maybe I could call no, it. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Credibility. You can help them basically is, yeah, is they need to, they need to trust me. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that I could maybe help them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So nothing is bad at all. <laughs> Oh, well, let me ask one more question. Why do you get nervous? Is it all eyes on you? Is it, we might not think those things about you? Is it, tell me, I think I know why, but I want to hear from you what you think it is. It's so many things, <laughs> Tracy. Mm. Okay. <laughs> uh, That's the bucket right there. <laughs> yeah, it's a really big bucket, but it, to narrow it down... One of the biggest things is I sort of get caught in the words. Like, I want to say yeah. it right. Yeah. The, Jen, that's the first thing I wrote down. And that's the mm. biggest thing working against you. And again, nothing's bad. But yeah. a part of it, you know, I said, right, let me see if I wrote this. I don't read you... I'm I'm not slam dunk on analytical thinker with you, but you are definitely in your head. I think part of it is you are a problem solver mm -hmm. and not a bad thing, not a bad quality, but you are already in the outcome. Mm -hmm. And I don't, because you're, that's where the solution lies and you are there and I don't know where there is. And so there's a slight disconnect. You're slipping through my hands just a little bit because you're somewhere over there solving the problem, which is a great thing. But yeah. see, I don't know that. 
I don't know that. You're already solving my problem. This happens with all my problem solvers. And <laughs> most of my, most of my clients are problem solvers, analytical thinkers, outcome driven. I'm not reading the sound. Now you may be outcome driven, but I'm not reading that sound. It's a definite sound. I'm reading problem solver and big time have to get it right. Yeah. I mean, pains, painful. <laughs> and I'll tell you what's interesting. I don't even know there's, and it's a slightly different sound. Yes, you're trying to get it right, but it's more of a sound of you're sure you're not going to get it right. That's exactly what it is. Okay. All right. It's a slightly different sound. It's like, if I'm trying to get it right, it's I'm here in the moment taking an action. You're already on the other side of it, having decided that whatever, and that's what you're calling, I don't trust myself. And you don't. And that's the, that's the core bucket here is you are torturing yourself to try to get it right. And maybe even perfect, you are probably a recovered perfectionist, mm. if I had to guess, or you're, recovering. Spot on again. You're totally nailing it. In fact, I feel emotional <laughs> because you got okay. it so right. And yeah, yeah I, I talk about perfectionism and I am, yeah, a recovering yeah. perfectionist. Yeah. And that and in some you. areas, my life still of my life still. Yeah. That's okay. In some areas of my <laughs> life, I have to walk every ounce of my talk to be able to use my voice. <laughs> and I think that's, you know, when we can embrace that, that, mm. okay, clearly we do teach what we had to learn the most. For me, it was voice. For you, it's perfection and problem solve. You know, all of these things mm. that really all roads for you lead back to you don't trust yourself and you have already decided we are not buying in. But there's something else that's in the mix here that's, that is the, actually the most glaring thing that I want to eradicate. Yeah, I want to get you off of focusing on the words. I need to get you grounded in the message. I've got to get you out of your head. Because I'm, I don't, and again, none of this is bad. And people do tend to get very emotional. You know, I get, I kind of have a bad reputation. It's not really, it's not really bad reputation, but people will say, you're going to cry when you get in front of her. And it's not really about me. It's about your, our identity is wrapped up in our voice. And we've spent a lifetime not letting it out. And so it's kind of like the water is pressure against the dam is really at a breaking point. And I think that's why people cry because it's like they feel a sense of relief coming. Mm, yeah. They feel the permission slip coming because that's what I do is I give permission slips all day long. <laughs> so yeah, we've got this getting it right. Yeah, we've got this perfectionism. It is creating sounds that are tentative. So when I look at this, I want them to know that I get them. I want them to feel like I'm approachable. I want them to feel like I have credibility, trust that I have credibility. I'm going to break down why we're missing the mark just a touch on hearing those things. But I want to tell you the other thing that's cloudying up the water 
is that you are a peacekeeper, mm. people pleaser. Yeah. And so you've created a habit of buffering, kind of like, sort of, because you, and again, it's linked to that. You've already decided I'm not going to like what you have to say. Yeah. So if you can buffer it enough, and I've got lawyers that that's their main thing. You know, I'm like, you're buffering (laughs) that bad news. And they're like, yeah, you're right. I am buffering that. Okay. So we've got to get you comfortable in, you know, people pleasing is a mask. You talk about masks and I talk about voice Mm. masks. People pleasing is, is one of these glaring things where you're buffering because you don't want to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. And the, and that's, as soon as I started hearing that, that's when I asked if you had worked in corporate because mm-hmm. a lot of times, now a lot of times it's who we are. We're, we're kind of raised in a family like that or whatever, yeah. you know, I mean, that was certainly mine and I could out people please anybody in my day, <laughs> I'll assure you, but it's, it's really brushing up against this credibility thing. Because if you know, you know. If you know, you own. I know I know yeah. what I'm talking about. And the minute you challenge me, okay, we'll have a discussion about it. But I'm not heading into anything with the possibility that you might think I don't know. Now, yeah. I'll buffer when I say my hardest things because I never want to hurt anyone. So there's good buffering and there's bad buffering. Or there's good buffering and there's buffering that is is eroding your credibility. Do you know what you're talking about? When it comes to leadership and these solutions you've created for these women, do you know what you're talking about? Yep. Okay, look how easy that was. (laughs) Right. Yet when you articulate it, why are you feeling the need to massage it so I feel so. Yes, I'm definitely a people pleaser. Comes from my childhood and my family, mm-hmm. um, and and I've. I'll stop there for now. Um, so, uh, when I'm articulating it, yeah, I I feel like my message is a little bit against the grain because my, my key message is you can achieve more by doing less. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I went into a corporate last week and said that message. Okay. And so it feels a little bit controversial. Okay. So then I, f- and I don't like being provocative. Because I'm afraid of conflict. Okay. So have they said to you, do you have proof? Do you have data? And it's not a trick question. It's not a setup. Do you have (laughs) proof that they believe that it is controversial? Have you had an experience where there's been a conflict out of this? No. Okay, then you're working off a of false proof. That's good news. That's easier than if yeah. you had real proof. We, we, the subconscious is going to work off of real proof or false proof or both. So yeah. you've just been set up. 
you've, your subconscious has just tricked you into believing that's going to happen. And because of all these other things like fear of conflict and I don't want to rock the boat and all these things, you're like, yep, okay, then I'm going to be super careful and a habit's been built around it. Okay. And I get this on a deep level. Try to be a voice coach that tells people practicing is going to cause damage. Okay. You want to talk about go against the grain? (laughs) You, you, I mean, that's my whole business. Yeah. I don't do it like the rest of them do it. I don't give you stuff. I take away everything you don't need. So there's some meaning that you've given. You've put meaning around it that it's bad. That something bad's going to happen if if you're against the grain. And that can be as simple as, so what? Changing the meaning and you buying in. You buying in is one of the core techniques I would plug in because that there's, I'm thinking there's going to be a cascade effect. I have to get you out of your head, but I've got to get you buying in. I've got to get you making decisions. You got to get to where you can make a decision and buy into it and let the chips fall where they may. You're, you're wanting to control the outcome as well. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and who isn't right, but that you can't, you can do your best show and they may not like you. Okay. So we have to break that illusion as well. Mm, what do you, that's true that you want? Yeah. Well, everybody does everybody it, because we've been indoctrinated to believe we can control the outcome and get what we want. And you have you can't. That's not where the power source is. The power source is in controlling the conversation by the way you make people feel. Now, this gets tricky or impossible if you're up in your head trying to get it right, because then I don't know how you feel about anything. I don't know who you are. And so we've got this rubber band ball of things that we have to unravel. I'll be right back to unravel the psychology of the voice with today's guest. Hi, this is Sherry Quam Taylor of Quam Taylor Consulting. I scale nonprofits. Here's why this work has been important to me. This work has scaled my business. I came to Tracy because I wanted to get rid of the ums in all of my presentations. And not only did she do that, but she changed my entire business. As a result of working with Tracy, clients started coming to me. I was no longer out hunting and trying to find clients. They started coming to me. So when I track my business growth, I can exactly look and see where my work with Tracy was because I can see it in the bottom line. Welcome back. Let's dive deeper into the sounds that are costing today's guest. And so we've got this rubber band ball of things that we have to unravel. So like when I ask you if you're good at what you do, you went, yeah. Like there wasn't even, you know, a blink time and it was fully owned. That would be an example of what I call boldly owned. Like it's a fact, Mm -hmm. or I might call it vocal buy-in. You are vocally bought in to what you're selling me. So let's do some, what did you teach on the other day in a corporate? Did you go in there and do a talk? Yeah. 
Okay. what did you talk about? Did you talk about this work? Yeah, I was talking about this work. I was talking about the theme was um, finding chaos, finding calm in the chaos. (laughs) I think you told me you were doing a big talk. Did you tell me that in our dialogue back and forth? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think I did. Was this the talk? It was. I I managed to, I mean, it it wasn't as, as, it wasn't as good as I would have liked. (laughs) That's okay. Uh, But I did, once I got up there and I was able to relax, Mm -hmm. I got good engagement from um, the audience. It was about a hundred people. They laughed where I hoped they would. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I got good feedback on the talk afterwards, but I did get someone who said, I got one person who gave me the feedback that um, she said something like this person isn't educated to do what she was talking about. Or something like that. Meaning you? Yeah. Yeah. This was like a, I did a, um, they did a survey. Oh, um, gotcha. Afterwards. Okay. Yeah. So in the survey, she said something like, um, this person, yeah, isn't educated enough to talk about what, what she was talking about. And, um, and I, and it's the silliest thing that I can't stop thinking about that one person. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I'm, I have a PhD in leadership. So I know that I'm, I know, I know what I'm talking about. Right. Right. So, but I still let, I still believe that person. Yeah. Okay. So, and this may be what is, so it could be very easily that it, that the getting it right is linked to judgment, not just rocking the boat, but you don't want to hear that you don't know. I think we yeah, all fear, we all fear. Yeah. That's why we try to control the outcome is we're trying to control not receiving judgment. Yeah, I don't want and to get criticism. No, I got an email the other day. Somebody emailed me to tell me that the person that recommended him to me, their offer had value, but my offer had no value. And first of all, my question is, I wish I, you know, you have that much time. Okay, but second... <laughs> Immediately, we go to judgment isn't about you. It's about how they're perceiving you through their filters. And when we can embody that, which is critical to the execution of our voice, shockingly, we have to be able to embody that judgment's not about us. Because Mm. otherwise, we're going to always be in that outcome trying to control it. I'm going to try to be what you want me to be. And this is classic people pleaser move too. Let me be what I'm going to read the room. Another thing I take away from people, because you're reading the room, deciding what you think we're thinking, and then you're altering who you really are to be what you think we want you to be. And it's a trick box of us never really knowing who you are. Yeah. And so there's lots of pieces around this that we have to look at meaning and we have to look at questioning and we have to look at rewriting or uh, or unmasking, cracking. And one of those things is judgment. We have to get really okay with judgment is not about us unless we make a jerk move. If I make a jerk move right now, then you could judge me and it is about me because I did something jerky. But if you don't like what I have to tell you about what I hear, I know if I share the message in a nurturing way and you hate me because of it, that is because of your filters. And 
So we have to get really, we have to buy in before they're going to buy in. And that happens vocally. So I know I do it different. I know I push the edge of the envelope. I know I get pushed back. I'm okay with it because I'm on a mission to do this purpose. And so we need to get a little reframing around that. And it's kind of a horse blinder tactic. If you've ever seen horses race, they put blinders on them. They know there's horses on either side, but they don't see them because they're not focused on them. Mm. And so that vocal buy-in happens very much in the right here, right now. I'm on a mission to change your life. I don't have time to look at those horses that think I my offer has no value <laughs> or judgment or whatever. You might not get it right. I just trust that I will. And it can almost be that simple. Now, we have to unravel and unwrite and rewrite a lot of stuff, and then we have to change a lot of voice habits, but it could start with as easy as buy-in. So if you went back to that talk that you did the other day, what would be something that you talked about? Can you riff off a little bit of that talk? And here's the thing too, there is no bad. And I've told, I tell y'all this every two seconds, there is no bad. It's about what's the next level. Yeah. What, you know, James Wedmore and those guys, they were, they were perfectly awesome when they met me. It was the next level. Right. What's the next level? Right. It's, that's the way my mind is thinking. You're great. How can I make you better? There's no bad. Okay. So riff off a little bit of something you were talking about the other day. So I talked about, um, I talked about the misconceptions that we have about busyness. So um, I think that we have three, there are three big misconceptions that we have about busyness. So first is we tend to think that being busy is just kind of part of the gig. So being a leader uh, means that we have to be busy or it's just part of being a part of my job. And then the second one is that we think there's just no other way because we have so much responsibility or, um, or we have to, because like, if you're the breadwinner, then you can't pull back on your career. And then the last one is that we think that being busy makes us important and valuable. So being busy makes us higher status and we glorify it. Let me keep going. No. What were you thinking about? What were you thinking about? I was thinking about how I said it. I was thinking about, I was going to forget it. What did I say? (laughs) Uh... (laughs) Okay. That was actually more owned, but I could tell you were thinking. I could tell you were analyzing as you go. Even though it's just you. (laughs) Even though it's just me. Yeah. 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 And there, you know, I'm just not working from a place of judgment. This is how habitual it is. It's you've just trained yourself to do it. Is this going great? What's she thinking? Am I saying it right? You know, all these things. So let me ask you this. 
What in those points do you really want me to know? Like if you had to put it in one sentence, Tracy, I really want you to know, fill in the blank, what would it be? You think that you just have to accept your busyness and that this is life, but there is another way. Okay. Can you tell the difference in that? That felt like it felt, it felt like I was owning it more. Yeah. And because you were out, I tricked you into, I forced you out of your head. Yeah. So what that? that (laughs) (laughs) So I got you connected to your message. Your message is in your heart. Mm. Your voice is the orchestra of your heart, not the orchestra of your head. In fact, when we Mm. are in our head or the past or the future or trying to get it right, our voice will not work. It cannot ever work. Yeah, you can deliver content. And yeah, maybe you can even deliver it with a little bit of movement, but you can never fully do that fullest expression with feeling and authenticity and passion and all those things that I hear in your seventh layer that you're not letting us have Mm. because you're stuck on, but I have to say it right. Yeah. But I have to make sure that they like it. And so that's what you're focused on controlling. And I want to know, how do I know if you got it right? And I don't know if it's a hundred percent about getting it right. I think it's more about I'm going against the grain is possibly what is a even more powerful driver in you getting it right. I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. anytime we're braced for fallout, we really can't reveal who we really are because then that ramps up the possibility of even more fallout. If you know, I mean, it's bad enough that I'm pushing your button, but that I'm passionate about it. Okay. No, 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 no. That is way dangerous. (laughs) So, so we're just going to tentatively put it out there. I was just talking back and forth with a client of mine and I was talking about you doing the comedian that the trying to make sure the joke's funny before you go all in. And she said, you're exactly right. (laughs) And that's what we tend to do when I, when I read, it looks like it's okay, then I'll go all in and see, it's never going to work that way. The risk is on our end. The risk is on, I need you to know this. So if you were to go back to that little snippet that you did and you were really to work from what you feel about it, passion about it, I need you Mm. to know this, which is message. I really need you to know, fill in the blank. Let's see how that would sound different. So you want me to do like, what do I really want them to know about that part? Well, I want you to go back to that little part that you delivered. Yeah. But I want you to work from a different place. And where you're working from is passion, feeling, what I want you to know. You're still delivering dialogue around the points that you're delivering dialogue around but you're not focused on, let me get this right. What did I try to remember? How does this sound? You're working from a blinder position of, I need you to get this. You're working from a passion and a feeling position. Okay. Try it and let's see what happens. Okay. So 
What do I really want you to know? So we have three big misconceptions about busyness. Now I've lost it. But it was great. (laughs) But it was great. It was a great start. Could you tell the difference? Yeah, I could feel it. Like I'm, um, if I really, I can feel the difference because I'm so passionate about this. Like Mm -hmm. I really believe that these are three things that are keeping us busy. And that is that we think it's part of the gig. We think that we have to be busy to just be a leader. So that's the first one. The second is we think that there's no other way because we can't pull back on our career. or We want to achieve being a leader or, or we are the sole breadwinner or maybe we're single and we don't feel like we can pull back on our career. So we think it just has to be this way. And the biggest one is that we think that busyness makes us important. We think it makes us valuable. And that stops us. And it drives me crazy. (laughs) Okay. That was great. That was totally different. That got us way closer to you get me, you're approachable, you have credit, and I can trust that you have credibility. It felt closer. I didn't Way feel closer. there, but it felt closer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you know, and I was just talking about this. I was saying, okay, come on, y'all. It takes like 40 years to build all this stuff. I can't unravel it all in 25 <laughs> minutes, but so much closer than if you are trying to get it right or trying to neutralize so that I won't give you pushback. Mm. Bring it. Challenge me. I've got the research. Let's go. And that just, I think that is a harder sell when people are right out of college and maybe they don't have the experience and they don't have the yards, but somebody like you and me, Mm. we've done this work. Yeah. We've got the years to stand on. I've got the data to stand on. You've got the experience to stand on. I think a 24-year-old can too in a different kind of way. Mm. But I think that when we're looking at people that have PhDs and years of so many years that they've been able to create a program centered around where the deficits are, which is exactly what I've done too, We do need to get you in a place of ownership because you are trustable. Yeah. And, and it's, it's really just about rewriting a lot of these stories and then go back from when you were seven or 10 or 22 and we're still carrying them and they're still vocally there. But see that if you hadn't gotten on this call, you may have never done something like that because that would have felt like freak zone to you. The only way I can really make them understand is if I articulate these words with with clarity and get these words right and keep them happy. And I and I call bluff on that. <laughs> because that's not at all what will get you what you want. It's this. Yeah. So it's almost like for each one of my well this was a presentation. So for each slide 
I would have to just say, what is the message on this slide? And what am I really passionate about on this little snippet of my topic? Yeah. Yeah. And if I can speak from that. That's a great start. Then I can shift a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. a great start and moves you away from, I got to get these words right. I've got to be in this outcome, which are all things that we, we want to shift out of because that's not where the, that's not where your voice power lies. It's amazing how much of my childhood (laughs) um, patterns come up in my voice. And it's, it's, that's where the fascination began for me so many years ago was when I made the link, hold on a minute, this starts from birth really. And what is coming in dramatically affects what's going out. And people 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, even 70 have sat in front of me and, and out of nowhere said, yep, when I was seven or yep, Mm. when I was four. Yep, I'll never forget when I was 12, over and over and over and over. I mean, it's just classic. And it does. And it's because we lock it in as habits. And we function in the world just fine, but maybe we don't make the impact we want. Maybe we don't have the internal freedom slash confidence that we want. Maybe we don't have the connection. Maybe we just know there's more. And we go to seeking and this, and then people are just blown away at how much the voice, how much is packed in the voice. And that's why people cry sometimes because it's all been locked in there for so long. And now we're setting it free. We're setting that seventh (laughs) layer free and removing those six layers that have been blocking it for far too Mm. long. I was just talking to my mom yesterday and I was doing exactly that. Like what you've said yeah. just sums up my conversation with her. I was tentative. I was afraid I was going to hurt her feelings. I was afraid something was going to blow up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the way I talk to people. And and sometimes we talk differently to different groups of people, mm. which I don't like that either. I want to eradicate. I want to always want the best version of you. Maybe we turn the dial up or down a little bit on it, but I, you, this is what you get. You come to my house. I'm like this. You in my class, I'm like this. Yeah, out with the dog, I'm like this. This is who I am. And this is what we want. What is that best version of you? How can we lock that in and that you're you're just good with it? And that's creating the new habit. But that was great. Yeah, that was a great start. You look like your mind is just blown. It's yeah, I'm, I'm, it brought together some of the things that you've said that obviously when I hear bits and pieces, I need, it was brought them together really nicely. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just thinking about how this plays out in so many areas of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not just speaking, yeah. it's not public speaking. This is like uh-uh. how I show is, up in the world. This is identity. This is about how you show up in the world, 100%. This is why they say, don't call yourself a voice coach, Tracy. It's not what you do. No, it's not at all. (laughs) Mm -mm, mm -mm. So, but we're good. Yeah, no, go ahead. 
I was just going to ask if there's if there's anything else that you and we're running out of time, I think. But yeah. is there anything else that I should do before we go? Well, and I don't like to pile on too much. I know everybody wants to give me all the forty-seven thousand things, or give me all the all the things, and it really then it then it can become theory. Yep. And, and then so it- even even yeah, even even if this wasn't a thirty-minute show, I mean, I don't work with people one time, and this mm-hmm. is exactly why because it's not a one and done. It's it's a process, mm-hmm. but this is a great start. Yeah. This is a wonderful start. And we have to start somewhere. And it starts with, you know, we have to eradicate and rewrite what's inside to change what's outside. And that can very easily start with where are you working from? Are you working from trying to get it right? Okay, we're not going to work from that anymore. We're going to work from what do I really want them to know? And that's a great Mm -hmm. start. If I gave you more, it would overwhelm you and your subconscious would use it against you. And we go, yeah, you you got that. Don't worry, you got that. You got all that. (laughs) And I was just talking about that. I said, okay, I'm concerned because people are leaving the show going, okay, great, I've got it. And that's a trick of the subconscious. And it's not about, I don't want to deliver all the techniques. It's about, I want to change your life. And if I say Mm -hmm. 42 things and you click off the show going, okay, great, I've got it. Then I've left you in the hands of your subconscious, making you believe you got it. And I'd really rather you just start changing a habit or two because that's going to be 10 times more powerful than if I told you 50 things, Mm. if there were 50 things, right? Yep. That's what I'm already doing is giving myself 50 things to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is is slow enough and make sure you're changing your tone and all those things. But actually that's what's, stuffing me up. That's right. That's right. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. So you notice I didn't say anything about slow down. I didn't say one thing about it. See, that's your subconscious going, okay, all right. I know how we're going to circumvent this nonsense that she just got herself involved with. We're not having this. We're going to get her to slow down and do this and do that. And that'll take, get her back up in her head where we want her because she's safe there. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to reach out in about a month and check in and see how you're doing. So we'll get an update. We're going to get an audio update from you where you can send us a note back and say, hey, I've been plugging this in. It's great. It's not been great. I haven't seen a shift. You know, you're just going to give us an update and we're going to let the listeners know how you're doing. So we'll be on the lookout for that in about a month. I will let you know. I can't wait to start trying this out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and thank you so much for jumping on this call. It was great. And I'm, I'm really grateful that you've been here and you did, you're so open to be so coached, so coachable. And we'll talk to you again in about a month. Uh, Thank you so much. It was, uh, this was great. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you listeners. Always great to have you as well. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Jennifer has the classic things going on that I deal with in pillar one, primarily of psychology of the voice, and really are the most common for so many people. One of the biggest problems that I deal with is people being up in their head. She's an analytical thinker. She's a problem solver. She is processing a solution. None of this is bad. 
But part of what happens is we have a disconnect because she's in the solution, and I don't even know what the solution is, but primarily the issue is she's up in her head trying to get it right. But she's trying to get it right, especially because she does not want to go against the grain of what people or what she perceives people want to hear. So we've got classic needing to get it right, coupled with people pleasing. And this is a recipe for non-reveal of the best version of you. You are going to have a sound that is flat, that is neutral, that is tentative, that is unsure. All these things that are not going to work for you to get to the next level when you're in your head. So what we have to do is we've first and foremost got to get Jennifer out of her head. We've got to get her comfortable going against the grain. A lot of this can happen simply from me getting her in the now. There's a subconscious process that I use to get people in the now. But once they're there, all that noise about they're not going to like what I have to say they're going to be mad, they're going to, you fill in the blank, the noise is in the past and the future. Ownership, authority, vocal commitment, all of these can't happen where she's at right now. So she's not reflecting the incredible value and knowledge that she has. Then we have to look at the whole feeling factor and shades of her factor. And this is why we have to do pillar one and two in psychology of the voice first, or you're not going to be able to reveal those shades. There's no way they can get through the layers and layers and layers that are covering. This is common. This is really common. Perhaps you can relate. Let's see what I can do. What an amazing shift. Hey, this is Sherry Quam Taylor wrapping us up today. If you heard this and thought, oh my gosh, is this what my business needs? Is this the thing that will attract more clients in 2023? Well, it is. It was for me last year, and I continue to use this day to scale my own business. If you want your voice assessed, just take a second right now and email Tracy at tracy at You will not regret it.